Hey, 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 Mark here, and welcome to another sketchbook special. This time we are spotlighting the collection of Shane Simic. Before we start, I'll remind you that this was recorded as a YouTube live stream. So this is the audio only, without the video visuals or indeed even the pictures of the images we are discussing. If you want to see the visuals, you can head over to the Talking Joe YouTube channel where this exists as a video, or you can head over to Talking Joe uh, Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Talking Joe. And there will be a post over there which has a PDF of the images that we are talking about, which you can have a look at in combination with the audio only show. So either way, you're covered. And I think that's me done. So in whatever way you decide to enjoy the show, sit back, relax, and listen to some quality chat as we talk Shane Simic's G.I. Joe sketchbook collection. Sketchbook, sketchbook, here's my sketchbook. I can show it to you if you wanna have a look. Sketchbook, sketchbook, here's my sketchbook. And now I will stop this song. Hey, 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 it's me, Mark. And welcome to another uh, episode of the Sketchbook Shows from Talking Joe. Uh, today we've got a very special guest, Shane Simic, who will be sharing some of his G.I. Joe art very shortly. But before we do so, let's meet the people uh, who will be joining us on this discussion. I really want to talk Joe with you. It's a real American Tim. Hello, Mark. There he is. And hello, hello, viewers, and also viewers who are just listening for some reason. Hello, listeners. Excellent. But we're, we're going to look at art, so look and listen. Listen look and fun. And listen. Yes, indeed. Um, and let's just keep on going with the roll call. Well, next up, we have got... John Dermott is coming on the show today with Best Be Behaved. Oh, it's it over. The man, the legend, the man who wants an extended mega mix of his own jingle, John Thurmond. He just can't keep away. I love it. Back I on the show, John. love it. As long as I've been podcasting, nobody's ever written me a song. So thank you. Indeed. I've been when, tempted when, to. When you do 10, you get a longer jingle. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> I'll duly noted. Come back seven more times. <laughs> duly noted. <laughs> Excellent. So, uh, John, today we we're going to be joined by Shane, who is coming with your recommendation and seal of approval. Uh, so let's meet the man himself. It's Shane Simic. Who got the jewels in your sketchbook? How many? It's worth it being here just to have a theme song. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, that was our show, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you enjoyed the <laughs> Talking Joe Jingle special. 
Hi, guys. You. Uh, yeah, Mark, Mark, you can play the outro jingle now. Bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so um, as well, just a reminder, we're, we're streaming live at the moment. So if you want to join in and send us your comments, you can do so. Uh, and it will appear on our screen, something like that. Uh, so, so yeah, please, uh, if you want to interact, let us know what you think of things as we're showing them. Please feel free to uh, join in. Um, so, Shane, it's all about uh, you and your art collection to, today. To give us a little bit of a background, of a, an intro, how did you get into uh, collecting G.I. Joe art? Um, I've always been a comic book fan. Oops. I started reading... I started reading the Joe comics around issue, I want to say 10. Um, so I was always into that. Um, I started working at a comic book store a couple years after high school and started going to conventions. And then my friends and I realized, wait a minute, these guys will draw for you. So then um, in 92, my friends and I started collecting sketches in general. And I started working some Joe stuff in there, and then I, I started a whole Joe collection from there. I don't want to assume that no one had ever thought to have an artist draw for them at a convention, but 92 sounds really early for this phenomenon. Shane, did you invent this? <laughs> no, I did not. No. Um, I will say there was a dealer in the area um, named Wayne Birch, and he owned a store in Worcester, Ohio, and he, um, his focus was Legion of Superheroes, and he kind of showed my buddies and I this collection he had, where when he would go to the shows, they would draw for him. So then hmm. um, in 92, I went to a Motor City Con, and artist Paul Ryan, who is um, no longer with us, um, Paul Ryan was there, and he was a big Iron Man artist at the time, and my best friend Eric was an Iron Man fan. So I had Paul draw an Iron Man, that I was going to give to Eric for his birthday. And fortunately, I told Paul that and he signed it to Eric because otherwise I would have kept that for myself because it was great. <laughs> and that got the ball rolling. From there, we realized also we liked a lot of like everyone likes Batman, Wolverine, whoever. We liked lesser known characters, um, you know, Nightcrawler or Hawkeye. And they weren't on every poster and cover in the 90s. And we're like, why can't we get those guys? And then we realized we can when we go to the conventions. These guys will draw us whatever dumb character we want, as long as we're paying them money. <laughs> it still holds true. That that answers a question of mine. Does any of this predate when artists were charging? Because I feel like when I started doing this, artists would actually do simple sketches, like five minute sketches, not 30 seconds for free. And, and it was only with eBay or a couple years after eBay that artists started really actually charging sort of everyone. Were any right. of these early ones free or they were they just less? Um, they were cheap. I don't know. Um, we probably have a handful of free sketches, but they were, I mean, back then we were paying $20, $25 as opposed to now that's the tax on what you would be paying for something. <laughs> um, yeah, Steve Epting, who's known for his run on um, Captain America and the death of Captain America. Um, when we used to see him, he used to charge $10 for a sketch and he was never a fan of his own work. So most of the time we had to fight to give him money because he's like, I don't even want to charge you for this. And it was all, it was great stuff. 
But yeah, there's sketches where he was charging ten. He didn't want to take anything, and I made him take five as a compromise. Yeah, now, um, yeah, now the average is probably at a hundred going up. I don't, I don't even know what the average is, but yeah, it's hard to find anything under a hundred that's decent. Is this always in a sketchbook, or is this sometimes loose paper? Um. It was very much sketchbook. My friends and I, um, we all collected sketches and we all had sketchbooks and we had themes, but over time, all the wear and tear and then um, like the pencil sketches, they start rubbing and they start losing some of their crispness. So um, I had a couple sketchbooks. I've cut them all apart and put them in portfolios. Um, my GI Joe sketchbook, which I have here is um, my last remaining sketchbook that has not been um, cut apart yet. But um, that'll probably happen. Just honestly, at this point, I think it preserves better. But like I said, when we started that guy, Wayne, he had a sketchbook. It was new to us. And we, we were all coming up with themes like our favorite characters. My first one was X-Men. Um, my buddy Eric was Iron Man. You know, we all went from there. So it just it made sense to us at the time. But over time, yeah, we're getting away from that. When uh, when we were talking just earlier, you were saying that uh, um, when you got into your to, to the conventions, you sort of, you know had a had a group of you that all, all got into it, and you've been pretty much steady since you first started without any you know real dropping out. Um, so you know we've got you've got a whole slew of years in between when you started and where we are today of of collecting essentially. Um, yeah, it's been a long time. Um, pardon me. 2017, we celebrated as a group our 25th anniversary of going to conventions and collecting sketches, which was that first Iron Man sketch I got for Eric. How nerdy. Yeah. Was, yeah. was that a was that a party? Did you go to a convention and just acknowledge? I mean, you know, my my, my I have a friend from middle school and it like our 15 year, I thought, oh, we've been friends for 15 years. Uh, what was, how did you cap that? How did you acknowledge that? Um, we, we did our best to do everything we could and to kick it up a notch. There's, we have a group of, I want to say there's about 10 of us, but it, it varies on people's involvement. But normally when we go to a show, there's, I'd say two to four of us, maybe five. But in 2017, Heroes Con, which I know John talks about, and John's a big fan of, Heroes Con is always our, if we can go to a show, that's the show we want to go to. So we settled on Heroes as our anniversary con. Um, usually as a group now, we have t-shirts every year. So we had Silver Silver Age was our theme that year, since it was the 25th is the Silver Anniversary. Um, actually, the, um, the picture you used in my intro, that's my Silver Anniversary Cranboy shirt that I'm wearing there. Um, we rented a big um, giant passenger van that we all traveled to Heroes together in had magnetic signs with our logo put on the side. Um, yeah, we did it up the best we could. Got everybody there and usually we just talk online. I mean, a couple times a week, we've got a, a group thread where say someone opens their commission list or there's news about a convention or just silly news or a silly meme or something. Um, they like to make fun of me for collecting GI jokes. I'm the only joke collector. But it all goes around. We got a turtles guy. We got a transformers guy. We've got, I mean, there's there's common ground and everybody knows their stuff. But 
Yeah, I'm the default G.I. Joe guy. So, yeah, if there's something silly or dumb to make fun about G.I. Joe, I'm the target. That's how it works. Has your collecting of this kind of art um, excluded other kinds of collecting? John talked about in a previous episode how he is only collecting uh, convention sketches and commissions, not toys, or if I'm John remembering correctly, not comics. Shane, are you narrowly focused? Um, not as much as I should be. <laughs> um, uh, art is definitely the priority. Um, I still buy some comics, not a lot. Um, I got rid of the bulk of my comic book collection a couple years ago. And while I still buy weekly books, I mean, I ran a comic book store for years. So I just, it's Wednesday, it's new comic book day. I like to go to the comic book store. That's how I'm wired. Um, I buy a lot of trade paperbacks and hardcovers. My collection in that regard has grown a lot. Um, toys, I don't hardly get anything. I did get into the 25th anniversary Joe line. And um, I've slowly, the um, the release of Flint and Lady J in the classified line has um, started to open that door up, unfortunately. So I've got a couple of those now. Um, but yeah, it's primarily art, but um, it should be only art, but it doesn't really work that way. Are you staying current with G.I. Joe? Um, with the comic books? Um, I'm hit, and, I'm hit <laughs> or miss. Like, I don't buy a lot of monthlies, so I pick up a lot of the trade, so I'm not always up to date. Um, I try to follow and keep up with what's going on. Um, all the, um, when they have the different series and stuff going on, that throws me a little bit snake hunt. I read all of snake hunt. Um, since then it's been, I liked the, um, what was it? Not secret origins, but the, uh, the untold, untold tales. tales. Yeah. The untold tales. Yeah. That was pretty good. I find I like the shorter, more concise stories a little bit more than the ongoing, um, lengthy stuff, even though that's what I got into. But yeah, I mean, I still, I keep up, but I'm not there. I'm not the first one in line every week to buy my G.I. Joe comic, but yeah, I still is, read them. I still check them out. There's cool art. I'm, I'm always in for that. Is the, <laughs> is the shop where you worked still around? No, that closed. I left there in 2000 and the shop closed in 2010. Um, just the business, you know, it's hard to keep a shop afloat. Um, they were having problems for a couple of years and did everything that they could. Um, there were a couple shops in my area and it was all friendly competition. And one of those guys who was around all that time, he's still around. And that store is actually minutes from my house. So I'm there all the time. I know all the guys there. The one guy there worked at our shop after I left, but he worked there for a while. Um, they bought all the fixtures and everything from my store. Well, the store that I worked at. So it's very familiar going in there. It's all the nuts and bolts of it. It's all stuff that I helped, you know, set up back in the day. Is there, uh, to lead us back to the art, because I'll talk about comic shops for <laughs> minutes and minutes. Uh, is there an artist uh, from whom you have the most sketches and commissions because they're either a favorite or they come around the most often yes absolutely are we talking gi joe specific or just whatever? yeah yeah 
Uh, G.I. Joe specific, I don't, it's probably the same answer, um, which is Daryl Banks, hmm. which um, a lot of people think he wasn't a Joe artist, but he did um, some Devil's Due work when they had that um, reloaded. reloaded. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. um, and that, that series didn't do real well, but Daryl worked on that. Um, and the best part about collecting Joe art is so many artists are fans of the property. Daryl is um, Daryl's a big one. My, um, <laughs> it's not in what we're looking at today, but when I got a Cobra Commander sketch from Daryl back in the day, he had to throw in a Weather Dominator joke in the sketch because he's a fan and he knows the stuff. Um, but Daryl's local to us. Daryl has been around as an artist as long as we've been doing this. He wasn't at DC yet. His big claim to fame was Kyle Rayner, Green Lantern. Um, that's what most people know him from. He hadn't, um, he hadn't made that, made that yet. So we knew him before everybody else did. We see him all the time. We talk to him even outside of conventions. We'll, we'll chat online and reach out and whatever. So Daryl's definitely a favorite. Um, how many, how many Daryl Banks, uh, Joe pieces do you have? Um, several. Yeah, uh, more than four. Yes. Less than. 10. <laughs> I'm just trying to get a handle. Uh, I'm just trying to get a handle maybe. on this. I'm going to tell you. I can look it up. Is this a spreadsheet? No, it's comic art fans. Oh, oh, of course. Of course. In my in my sketchbook, I have five. I have five from Daryl in my sketchbook. And before we get into the sketches proper, do you want to just show us uh, your your reference folder that you that you had yeah. uh, earlier? John, have you discussed Next. our mutual love of reference on the show? Well, I, I I I explained a little bit that you know I first connected with Shane. Gosh, it was on ten years ago, or like twenty ten, I think, when I first started getting into sketchbooks. I, Shane, I don't remember the, the group or the page. It was one of the Joe boards and, and Shane was really active. And I started asking him questions because I could see he would post his art and we started talking about reference. And that's how we first connected was him sending me ideas and samples of, Hey, here's what I use for my reference. And so then I started going with that. And that's how, and we first, you know, met over that and then got to connect, connected heroes, I guess the next year or so. So, yeah. So there's a, sample of um, what I put together as reference with GI Joe. I tried to keep a couple things in mind. I tried to go with package art and a cartoon shot because if they're a fan mm -hmm. of Joe, they might know one and not the other. And then just the typical try to show some good shots of the character, um, their gear. Um, if you only have headshots, then it's hard to get a full body drawing because they don't know what their belt looks like or what gear they have or whatever. And with some characters, you can't find that. It's just not that easy to find a head-to-toe shot of a later created uh, jet pilot because you only see them in the cockpit or you know close-ups of their face. Even um, even Ace, you know the original fighter pilot from GI Joe. There's not a lot of good head-to-toe shots of Ace out there. It's you know waist up at best, but. Um, being a Joe fan and um, a collector of art, I have compiled over time this um, binder 
of reference, which I've redone a lot of it, and um, the pictures in here are not all updated. Let's see if we can find someplace good here. Um, but just, uh, it's all alphabetical. I got Joe's in the front and Cobra's in the back. And <laughs> I think you just wrote a lyric for an upcoming jingle. <laughs> Mark, take a note. Um, I, I have references in the front. I have no immediate plans on getting a sketch of, but one, you never know. And two, if I've got a couple of good shots, I'm going to throw a reference together because why let that go to waste? Plus, maybe I'm at a show and John comes up to me and he's like, oh my gosh, so-and-so's at the show. I would love to get a sketch of the spider pilot, but I can't. I'm never going to find reference here. Hold on. Let me check the book. <laughs> is this a is this an embedded joke? Are you trying not to say Ghost Rider? <laughs> I am not, but that's a that's a good example. <laughs> What's his name? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and do you do you have shots of the toys in there as well, mixed in with the um, with the art? No, I don't use um I don't use like the um the figures or the actual um vehicles, but I try to use the package art. Just it's so symbolic. Mm. And I think that stands out even more so. Um, like the vehicles, the I don't have like, I don't have like 360 shots. I just use, you know, that classic shot. For the most part, I'm not expecting a full-blown tank. You know, if I get cross-country, I don't expect them to draw the entire havoc in the sketch. If I'm setting something up as a commission and I'm doing something like that, then yeah, I would, I'd come up with some stuff for that. But I don't have, um, I don't have that. I recently got a clutch and I was excited because the front end of the vamp shows up in the commission, which I didn't request, but it's clutch, so they kind of go, they go together. But nice. I will also say the um, some of the later characters, um, it's harder and harder to find pictures of them. They didn't show up in the cartoons. Um, they kind of all the art of them is kind of taken from the same shot. It's the same angle. It's the same pose. It gets a lot less um, creative. There's a lot less of it. That makes it trickier. Okay. Should we get started with some arts? Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Flipping through to the first one. Here we go. You had a figure announced as a G.I. Joe classified just yesterday. True. <laughs> Um, so obviously barbecue from GI Joe, this is by Josh Metters who had, um, done some of the devil's do run. Um, I met Josh at a convention that was, uh, it was in Ohio. It was the first, it was the, their first convention they were putting on. And, um, I don't know if it wasn't promoted well, but they had an abundance of artists and dealers and not a lot of fans showing up. So the artist area was, it was starving artists. They were like watching the people walking around, just waiting, waiting for an opportunity to hit them up and talk. But I knew Josh had done some GI Joe art and I was waiting for him to get there. And I took him my sketchbook and I gave him my reference book and said, you know, I can, I'm guessing you're a Joe fan, and he was a huge Joe fan. Said you can draw anyone you want. So he wanted to draw someone he wouldn't normally draw, and he picked barbecue. And then um, it being 
very much a slow show for the artists. I went to check back and he told him, I don't need my book. I'm just checking to see how you're doing. He said, oh, if you don't need it, just leave it here. I'll just keep adding detail to it because I don't have anything else to do. <laughs> so definitely worked out to my advantage. Um, this was a, Josh was very affordable. He was very, I want to say this was in the $25 or so range. And this was, um, this was not back in the early days. Um, but Josh actually had a lot of pages available for sale and I bought several pages from him too. And I think those were like $20 a piece too mm -hmm. from his, uh, from his run on doubles too. Were some of his, this is 2008. Okay. Yeah. Were some, of, were some of his pages um, pencil only? Um. Yeah. Yeah. If it's because yeah, there's there's an era in Devils Do when they're when they're when they're scanning pencils and not inking okay. the books. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a there's a nice uh, touch here where uh, it's all in red pencil. And yeah. He's the, and he's the fire guy. <laughs> Yeah, that that definitely worked out. It's nice when artists can um, play around and uh, do something cute and creative like that. Will you often leave it up to the artist to choose the character, or is it um, sometimes yes, sometimes no? It varies. Um, we kind of joke that we try to find a um, we try to find a character that the style the character fits their style. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you've got your basic characters. Anyone can draw the basic guys. Anyone can draw snake eyes. Um, but, you know, you've got a guy that's all armored up. You don't want to get a guy that's really good at facial expressions. And then he's got this big helmet on. And then what's the point of going to that artist? You're kind of you're losing that. So we try to find someone. You know, someone seems like they like to draw tech and gear and that kind of thing. You know, maybe I'll have them draw a bat or something like that. Um, just somebody armored up or something or with a lot of gear, but, uh, or maybe it's just, holy crap. I really want this guy to draw this character. I just, I think that'd be an awesome sketch and that's what I want. Yeah, it varies, but yeah, we try to match it. And then there's been times when I first got the book, I would go to shows and I would not even have an intention of getting a sketch from an artist, but going to shows so long, we've gotten to know a lot of them. So you stop and start talking and, um, It'll come up, and they're like, "Oh, you have a GI Joe book? Has anybody drawn Gun Ho? Can I draw Gun Ho for you?" In your book? <laughs> um, yes, yeah, I'm not gonna say no to that. Yeah, let's let's make that happen. Um, actually, yeah, there's one, there's a, there's an artist in here we're gonna get to today where, at one point, he gave me a list of characters that he would be interested in drawing, so I kind of like kept that off to the side, so I could keep. Next time I saw him, I could get one of those from him. Nice. Nice. Cool. Should we skip on to the next one? Um. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Nice. So, um, yeah, I don't have a close personal story about um, Mr. Trimpey, but I had the opportunity to meet him at a convention, and I just wanted straight up Cobra bad guy. Just give me a classic Cobra trooper. Mm your thing and there's nothing about like that rifle that is even remotely accurate that is a straight up comic book rifle and i love it it's just so perfect to those early days of gi joe i mean that could 
that image could be torn out of any panel from the first two years of G.I. Joe or Special Missions. And I love everything about it. It just, and I, I mean, I have chatted with Mr. Trimpey a couple of times. He signed some books for me and he's a super nice guy. Um, but that's the only, um, that's the only, well, I have a little Baroness head sketch in one of my hardcovers, but that's my only convention sketch from him and my only, um, and it's in the sketchbook. We looked at a Trimpey sketch in, in our last episode and it was also a straight on view, which uh, feels a little less common for convention sketches and, and therefore more novel. You know, I feel like a lot yeah. of people learning to draw or comics artists are avoiding straight on shots because when we're all in like fourth grade and we can't draw, we're like drawing people straight on. It's like, oh, yeah. that's flat. That's flat and boring. But, you know, if a bad guy is jogging at you with a rifle, it becomes something else. Oh, yeah. I mean, he knows what he's doing. He totally makes everything about this work. All the all the folds, the highlights in his harness, um, even um, just the look on his face. I mean, for a convention sketch, it's not like this is something was ever going to see print. But for a convention sketch, that's awesome. I love that detail. Yeah, I was, I was very thrilled that I was able to pick this up. Excellent. And is is this in your the, the sketchbook that you showed earlier with the uh it is. to two? Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Any any collection, you know, if you if you've got a trimp in a trimpy in there, then you're off to a off to a good start, I think. Um cool. and, and as a character choice as well. It's uh it's such a classic um outfit and design and probably you know a little bit overlooked because it's you know in there first and people then moving on into the into the whizier outfits but um yeah as a as a design classic yeah also because it's a multitude it's not an individual i feel like a lot mm -hmm. like a lot of yeah, people going sure. to a convention wouldn't necessarily say like oh can you draw a techno viper for me yeah I've got the cogs in my brain going now about because I don't think I've got a uh, a full figure Cobra Trooper. I'm thinking, hmm, I probably need to well, have one in my collection somewhere. In the Cobra <laughs> hierarchy, a Cobra Trooper is that's the original, and they're not fancy. You know, a Cobra Viper, like you said, a Techno Viper, a Tele Viper. Those guys, they got more gear. They look a little fancier. It came later on, but the Cobra Troopers, they're pretty basic. But again, Trimpy, he made that design his own early on. And yeah, I don't, I feel like I don't remember if he took my reference because sometimes if they know the character, they won't. But I feel like whatever I gave him was, was probably ignored because he didn't need it. He, he knew that. Cool. Uh, yes. I, um, I was talking about a commission I got from John Cooper uh on uh when we were talking to the action force guys a week ago and uh it was funny he was i was telling about the cobra troop and he was goes and he hadn't drawn them since what mid mid 80s so so you know fair fair while since he'd, he'd last drawn a cobra trooper and he he was like uh, went to me those are those blue guys right <laughs> i was like tell you what i'll send you some reference <laughs> yeah reference um <laughs> Mark, I just Sorry, um, I... got a Cobra Trooper from um, Kev Hopgood recently. Oh, wow. 
who cool. did um who did some action force yeah that was um that was a fun one too yeah he drew some great cobra troopers in his uh his run one of the probably one of the best takes in print i'd say since i stifled yeah, my reaction when the slide changed i'll re-perform it now Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um so this one this was um my first sketch from pat quinn who um has also done some gi joe art um i can't it was a mini series i can't i want to say declassified yeah um my buddy um christopher giles who um, used to be a lot more active in the online Joe community and the art community. He, um, I met Christopher at Heroes Con, and he would always um, point out Joe artists that I might have overlooked there. And this is one that Christopher pointed out to me. And Pat Quinn, I have to say, is one of the nicest guys there are to um, chat with and to deal with when um, getting any kind of art, be it a convention sketch or commission. Um, super friendly. I will say my friends and I seem to gravitate towards nice people. I don't know why, but most of our stories will involve this guy is one of the nicest guys you're going to meet. Um, it's very true. Pat Quinn, um, this character choice one, um, Pat was very affordable. So it made it easier to get two characters Two, um, I have a buddy who is no longer around, but, um, he knew GI Joe. It wasn't his thing. But he always told me that in his world, the last two heroes to walk off the battlefield every time were Dusty and Lowlight. So in the back of my mind, after we lost to Adam, I knew that at some point I wanted to get a sketch of those two characters together. So this was my opportunity to do that. And, I mean, you just ask him to draw two characters. He could have just had them standing there holding their guns. Could have had them, you know, again, straight on shot. We like to call the, mm. the Marvel handbook shot, where it's just the head-to-toe shot of them standing there in a generic pose. Um, but it looks like, again, like this is pulled out of like somebody photoshopped the background out, and it's pulled out of a full-page spread out of a comic. Um, a firefight, the detail. I've gotten other um, pieces from Pat. Actually, I almost sent in, um, he did a tunnel wrap for me. And um, he did it ahead of a show. He was taking pre-orders before a show. And I asked him to do Tunnel Rat. And at the last minute, I reached back out to him and said, hey, could you do me a favor? Because he said he didn't need reference. I said, don't give him the M60 machine gun because I hate when Tunnel Rat has the M60. Because he crawled around in tunnels where you're not going to fit an M60. And it would have been deafening. Drives me nuts that they do that. So he said, oh, I was just looking up reference for the M60 for your piece. Can I give him a shotgun? Is that cool? Like, yeah, I don't care. As long as it's smaller than an M60 belt-fed machine gun, yeah, that'd be great. Mark, so he knows you, I'm, I'm just thinking of the, the, the toy, the Tunnel Rats gun must have been one of the biggest out of the entire set of figures. And never, I'd never clocked before the impracticalities of that which is what originally you know rock and roll came with as the machine gunner um but then they gave it to the tunnel rat and then that's everybody defaults to that which i understand but it just it doesn't make any sense to me just being i don't know in my brain it doesn't click there's a um uh issue eight of the nom 
the cover is Michael Golden, and it is a tunnel rat, and he's got the flashlight and a pistol. Uh, mm -hmm. And my brother and I read that around the same time, and my brother made the same remark. Like, this guy wouldn't have such a big gun underground in a, in a tunnel. So we sort of uh, uh, translated that other, other logic onto G.I. Joe. Um, I wanted to uh, just, just call out something in the art here. Um, Mark, could you even go full screen, the view that you have right now? The, uh, the top of the, uh, sorry, the, 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 the magnified view that you have right now. Can you go full screen on that? The, um, okay, right. Yep. The top of the machine gun that Dusty's holding, um, there, aren't, oh, there yeah. aren't lines. It's just the highlight, which becomes the white yeah. of the page, and then the black of the gun, which is at the same time the shadow. And something similar is happening with uh, Lowlight's uh, quilted hat and a little bit down below mm. with his like, knee pads and his boots. And that's a really lovely uh, technique. It's happening in Lowlight's uh, rifle, too, where uh, there aren't outlines. It's just sort of carved out of the darkness. Uh, it's really pretty. Yeah. yeah, there's highlights. Like he's just waiting for the colorist to come in and have a field day with the space he gave them to play with. Um, I will say Pat is, um, and I'm not going to pretend that I know the extent, but Pat is an art instructor. So he definitely knows knows his um his lighting and that kind of thing and when, when you're getting your sketch, sketch i'm sorry what was when, that when you, I, was, I, was, I was just gonna say when you when you're getting your sketches do you typically leave the book with them and walk away or do you do you uh sometimes sort of sit and and have a look as the piece progresses because yeah it'll be interesting on this one to see to what extent the you know, the foundations were laid out in the pencils and then rubbed away to, le to leave these, you know, really uh, clever contrasting black and black and whites. I did not see him working on this. Um, and that's something that I feel like back in the day when um, collecting art wasn't as big, it was easier to kind of hang around and chit chat a little bit. But now when they're taking like a full list, they've got like 12 sketches to do that day. And um things just it's a lot more hectic and it doesn't really um it doesn't really work out that way with my friends and i we've got a technique where also say in this example pat quinn's working on my sketch i want to check on it i want to see how it's doing john i'm going to use you in this scenario so i'm talking to john at the convention i'm like yeah pat quinn's working on my sketch i don't know if he's done with it yet but i don't want to go over there because i don't want to spook him and make him say Oh yeah, here you can have it. I I don't need to draw anymore. If he's still working on it, I don't want to stop him. So I'll have John go drive by and check on the project. Because even if it's an artist that doesn't know you, he's less likely to associate John's face with my commission than my face with my commission. So um, we'll do something like that. Hey, can you go check on so and so and see if he's if he's done with mine or see what he's working on? And he'd be like, Oh, he's working on some Power Ranger. I'm like, Oh. That's that's way after my mind's got to be done. Thanks. I'm gonna go get it. Oh, here we go. Love, 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 love this. Yeah. So, um, I'm just gonna say what everybody's thinking. I wish Michael Golden was more affordable, and I could get more Michael <laughs> Golden. This was um, at this convention. This was my like my sole purpose. And I'd seen Michael Golden at a few shows. He comes around. 
um, on a semi-regular basis. Um, but yeah, it's not, you know, I'm not getting a sketch from him every show. So this, this is my only Michael Golden art. Um, this was my goal at this convention was to get this piece. Um, I wanted to get a cool character. I didn't want to get, um, you know, G.I. Joe green shirt. I wanted somebody of note. Um, I didn't have a firefly yet. Um, I did do, um, I did check on the progress of this on my own at that show, but Michael Golden was sitting like on a corner. So I could kind of like walk by behind him and look over his shoulder and see what he was working on. So I kind of got to, um, I think somewhere I've got some snapshots that I kind of took over his shoulder showing some of the progress. But when I picked it up, he was very excited because he told me that when he was working on this, he couldn't figure out how he was going to draw on the camouflage. He didn't know how he was going to put those camo patterns in there. And then it dawned on him that even though he, this was an ink piece, he could use pencil and pencil in the camo. And so he just thought that was like the greatest breakthrough and was super excited that he came up with that solution to the problem. Something that's so striking about Golden's work in the sort of second half of his uh, career, like we think of the NOM, G.I. Joe Yearbook 2, and the Conan covers, uh, maybe like the Jurassic Park covers, and we think of them as, quote, animated and cartoony and exaggerated, right. that things are round and bulbous, like Destro's face in Yearbook 2. It's round, it's round, it's round. Golden, somewhere in the late 90s, started in his work, like certain elements of his drawings would get slightly flat. Uh, and it's it's happening in this drawing where like, um, like this, this the, the arm that's foreshortened with the cobra symbol on it, even though that is clearly a human organic arm and clearly like the muscles are like rounded and tapered, there's also something flat and geometric and I mean like rectangular or like trapezoidal about it. And if you, uh, Mark, if you scroll down to Firefly's right thigh, the one on the left, same thing. Like this is definitely a rounded human form and those two straps are going around a form. And yet something about those like four lines on the left side and just how straight versus curved or tapered the outlines of this thigh is, something about it becomes slightly less rounded, bulbous, three-dimensional, slightly more like flat. Um, Golden did it. Um, Golden did a couple Jack Kirby like tribute covers um, for two different books. Uh, there was that 12 issue series like masterminded by Eric Larson, which was like if um, Stanley and Jack Kirby had done one more year of Fantastic Four and Golden did one or two covers for that. And he's, he's doing, he's doing his own style, but a little bit of Kirby. And then the, the James Robinson run of Fantastic Four from about five years ago, which ended. And then for a couple of years, there was no Fantastic Four book. Golden did four connecting variant covers. And similarly there, he's doing a little bit of Kirby. And in that like Kirby abstracted, folded yeah. like paper way, Golden is like, some of his drawing is round, like those pouches on Firefly's belt, like those are three three dimensional. There's something just a little bit about parts of this that are two dimensional, which is, I mean this in a really good way, so weird. Like I, yeah. I could never, <laughs> like I can't, I can't explain how it works, 
It's just like strange and amazing. I never went there on my own, but I see and agree everything you're talking about. Yeah, it's um, like those pouches, the boots, like the areas where he can really lay down the inks, but then like the body form, even um, the other leg with the devices on his on his thigh. Yeah, it's very, it's almost a straight line all the, all the way down the page, but he brings it to life and gives it depth while it's still just sort of basic. Yeah. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure the page of reference that I've got of Firefly that I take to conventions includes this piece on it, by the way. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. That's that's very cool. Yeah, it's it's always a pleasure to look online and see uh Golden's various convention sketches and commissions, but since his his G.I. Joe Ufra is so small, like Thank you, all of the art collectors out there who ask Golden to draw G.I. Joe work. And uh, lucky you, Shane, for owning this. And lucky us for getting to see this, like, sort of, like, after the fact, because it's not from an issue. This is, like, a definitive Firefly image, because it's so badass. Yeah, this is one that worked out well. Sometimes, um, for one reason or another, you could have the perfect character for the perfect artist and... Sometimes the moons are just not in alignment. Maybe they're having a bad day. They don't feel well. They're in a hurry, whatever. They're not feeling it. They're just not clicking that day. I mean, we're all people. It happens. But sometimes, yeah, it it does not work out the way that it should. But um, this one's pretty cool. This one worked out well. No complaints. Yeah. Even you could ask uh, oh, I was, was going to say, say, as an example, when the when the moons aren't aligned, you can, you can ask a... Uh, an amazing artist like Simon Bisley for a Lobo, for example, and depending on the the you know what what way the wind is blowing that particular minute, you could you could have something that is completely poles apart from from a, even a, 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 a piece done by him the same day, just a few minutes later. Yeah. It's uh, I I actually have this experience with Michael Golden at a convention. He was in Boston. I think like the one Boston show he's done, or certainly the first one in a long time, 15 years ago. Uh, and I asked for a Cobra Commander and I was so intimidated. I didn't have any reference. I didn't try and negotiate or inspire or ask questions. It was just like sheepish. I felt like I was in imposition, even though he was there to draw for money. And, and he drew a very nice pencil Cobra Commander. Um, but it's really similar to the back cover of your book too. Like inadvertently, Golden was not looking at it or like being lazy. I think he was just drawing Cobra Commander standing there. And it's a really fun drawing, but it's not exciting like this. And there's not like menace. And I love this drawing, but in my mind, it's like, okay, one day I'm going to get Golden to draw something else more excited with like, like muzzle flare and like, right. or like, you know, like there's, there's someone else has a, a, a firefly by golden where he's like also throwing a, he's kneeling and he's tossing yeah. a grenade. Something's yeah. going to be happening. Yeah. He, he, golden is the, is the gaping hole in my collection person that I feel like, I think we talked about that on the last time I was on. He is, he is that white whale for me, but I also recognize based on where he is now from a cost perspective, that's it. That's a con weekend <laughs> for me. I'm okay with that just because of who he is and, and and I, I remember when Shane got this and seeing it, the, 
particularly with the camo work, because this was first and that other one that you mentioned, Tim, where he's throwing the little grenade. I think he did that just a few months later. But I looked at that. I'm like, oh, he I remember he figured out the camo doing this one. So yeah, I, it's trying to figure out that right fit and certainly him at the right time. But yeah, he, he's he is he's the one for me to get in that book at some point. Yep. And another comment in here. Thanks, uh, Badger C7, for your kind words. It's what we're going for. Right. Oh, cool. Who's yeah. Who is up next? Um, so this is Mike Norton, who um, did a little bit of G.I. Joe work. Um, this this one is um, – this was at the Run first C2E2. The first year they did C2E2, the, um, they started rolling out the guest list. And um, one of my normal um, convention partners, uh, John Popa, we started looking at that. And we were like, we got to go to the show. This looks, this looks great. And we found some great deals on um, flight and hotel and just booked it. And uh, we had a field day. And the show was kind of weird because that show is blown up. It's insane now. It's huge and popular and crazy. But that year, nobody knew what to make of it. So while it was a big show and it was put together like a big show, it wasn't overly crowded. There was people there and they were there to buy stuff and get stuff and do whatever. But um, it was to our advantage. You could get around more. You could spend more time talking to artists and doing that kind of thing. And this is one where um, Mike Norton, um, he was actually – if he wasn't sitting with Tim Seeley, they were right by each other because I got um, an amazing Zartan head sketch from Tim Seeley. Um, and I don't know that either one of these were like plans. I think they might have been like in the back of my head kind of wish list. But Mike Norton, I'm like, hey, could you draw in my G.I. Joe sketchbook? He's like, oh, yeah, it'd be great. I said, um, I'd like you to draw rock and roll. And he had this look on his face. I'm like, I have reference. He's like, oh, I don't need reference for rock and roll. I can draw rock and roll. <laughs> oh, that's great. I'm like, I have it here. Do you want it? He's like, nope. Okay. So I was like, oh, boy, what are we going to get? No. Um, I mean, Mike, Mike Norton, his stuff a lot of times can be a little um, more cartoony. This is a little less cartoony. Um, I love the grittiness of it. You've got the, uh, the building in the background, the, um, we'll say, enemy soldiers there. Rock and roll looks like, yeah, he didn't, you know, he didn't just walk in off of um, the showroom floor. He's been out there busting his butt and getting dirty. And I mean, you got dust and everything flowing around um, for a convention sketch. Like if this, if this is a convention sketch, I'd be, this is great. Some of the stuff they put out now, it's like full blown commissions. If this was top of the line convention sketch, this is what you're getting. This would be amazing. Super happy with this. And I just love that. Yeah. My reference was of no use. He didn't need it. He knew it. <laughs> he proved that he knew it. He absolutely the, did. The color was uh, was his idea? Yeah. Um, um, which is one that I have a couple from him where he has um, uh, colored pencils or whatever. And um, just, yeah, if, if it works, I guess, or he's in the mood, I don't, I don't know the criteria. But, yeah, I've got a couple where he's done that. What I like about this is uh, Norton is like figuring this drawing out as he's drawing it. Whereas uh, like in the previous drawing, like Golden can see that drawing in his brain and he's almost tracing it. 
like on paper, like the drawing is already exists. He's just like putting the lines where they should be. And, and mm. as a contrast, it's two things. One, the looseness of this, this is very much a sketch, right? This is not mm -hmm. a drawing. This is not a commission. This is not a page or a cover. And we've talked about this in previous episodes, uh, you know, with my magic wand, artists wouldn't really do like three hour sketches at convention. You know, it's like, oh, I'm opening up my list. I'm going to do four drawings on Saturday and four drawings on Sunday. And that's certainly like better money and easier because it's like, well, if you do like 20 sketches on Saturday and 20 on Sunday, that's actually much more tiring. There's more chances for things to go wrong. It's more to keep track of. Um, maybe if the artist has a short attention span, it's sort of more exciting to hop on to the next thing. So I look at this and to me, this is uh, this is what a convention sketch, like finger quotes should be. It's Agreed. messy, it's unfinished. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's not, I, I say this very gently, it's not perfect, right? Like, right. like Norton, uh, uh, rock and roll, the leg on the right, his left leg, you know, like I can see where Norton's sort of knocking it in and then it's not just because it's smoke. It's not just because it's getting to the bottom of the page. It's like, it's because that's not the most important or exciting part of this drawing, right? It's like, okay, face, gun, uh, ammo belts, a little bit of background, yeah. smoke. So like, <laughs> like this is, this is rough. And I, I like the whole thing of a, con of a convention sketch is that you're getting something that's more the thought process and not like, oh, you spent two days on this page. Like, well, if I want that, I'd buy a page. What I really want is for 25 or hundred bucks, like something that is messy and, and not fully figured out. To me, this is fun. It's um, he's playing with it. He's like you said, he's putting it together as he goes and yeah, I I get a huge kick out of this, and yeah, it's it's great. But yeah, like you said, he didn't plan this out. He wasn't you know waiting to to use this pose for whoever. He he wasn't hoping someone was gonna ask him for Punisher, and I asked for rock and roll, so he went with the same pose. No, he's like, all right, what are we gonna do? Let's draw rock and roll in the desert. All right, how are we gonna do it? Ah, uh, he's behind some rubble. All right, yeah, he just makes it up as he goes and makes it work. Yeah. And thinking back to that Trimpy drawing, this feels like it could be the first year of G.I. Joe. You know, like, I don't know who those two mm -hmm. people are in the background. They're yeah. definitely not like Techno Vipers or, you know, like Aero Vipers or Star Vipers. Those are like guys in a, soldiers in a real army in a country or like a fictional G.I. Joe country or like Cobra right. soldiers and Cobra officers. Yeah. Yeah, it's open-ended. It's not, um, boom, here's, um, oh, your favorite issue is G.I. Joe 142.7. Let me draw a panel four from that. Yeah, no. It's, <laughs> here's an action scene. That I would also happily talk about a drawing recreating issue 147.7, panel five. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is more the hot potato era. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Very good. Good call. I like, I like to... This, that you've got this blank space here in the top right-hand corner, and he's just put these two dots, you know, not quite dots, like you know, flick of flick of the brush, just to suggest, uh, uh, you know, a birds flying in the in the sky, and it's such a little thing, but 
brings you know a nice balance to to the image somehow um just you know small small but big i never um, paid attention to that that could be sky strikers coming in from the from the background it, yeah it could be it could be a plane could be a bird it's could be superman if, uh, if you ever get yeah. a chance to meet norton at a show uh, and you don't have kids around ask him to tell you about some of the rejected character pitches they did uh, when he did he like you know he did that roadblock issue where he worked as the television chef right and we were talking about that but we started talking about what he and Seely came up with some uh, very un uh, not family friendly joes that are absolutely hysterical uh so if you if you get a chance to talk to him ask him about some of those joes that they pitched that they were told immediately like no way in hell is that ever gonna happen <laughs> hey john do you have a joe sketch from mike norton I do. I ran into him at Awesome Con a few years ago. He was just there, like for the weekend. I didn't know he was even going to be there. He did a tunnel rat for me, and it's it's got a little bit of gray tone in it. It's not colored like this, but yeah, he was. We started talking about Joe. We talked about that because I love that issue that he did of Roadblock as the TV mm -hmm. chef, and yeah, we talked for a bit, and then he he knocked it out. I said, "Pick you, pick whoever you want." He's like, "I want to do Tunnel Rat," and he's just got a pistol. He doesn't have any other big gun. And he's coming up. It looks like he's coming up out of the hole, like up out of the ground. It's it's a it's a nice it's a nice little piece. Do I know that piece, John? Is it online? Uh, I think so. I'll make sure you see it. If not, yeah, I'm gonna have to look because that sounds awesome. That's just saying that you can see that there's some I think gray tone work here underneath the colored pencils, sort of yeah. just you know to the right of. Rock and roll's head, you can wake out a bit there and, you know, running along the top of the, the gun. So he's, you know, yeah, before having, he's... Some fun, having some fun with mixed media. And yeah. I might be wrong, but I, I'm guessing that the colored pencils is something he used to do. And then he's moved on to the black and white tones. Because I've got, um, I've gotten a, one or two from him since and they've been the tones. It hasn't been the colored pencil. So it might be something he transitioned through. Maybe he just left them at home before a certain convention. Yeah, he. when I saw him, I don't know if he was really planning to draw much. He didn't have much set up at the table, and I think it was one of those, hey, I just, I, I happened to, why you'd happen to be in D.C., but I think it was a, a last-minute kind of thing is what I gathered. Shane, you obviously have to bring colored pencils and a warm gray Copic <laughs> marker the next time you get a Norton sketch to just offer him the full range, right? He's not going to need your well, reference. I offer either of these, sir. <laughs> Would you like some water? How about some Copic markers? <laughs> yeah, I you, you say that, but I do I do have a often when I go to Con, I do bring along a little uh, uh, pencil case of various art art materials in case uh, in case the artist is uh, yeah running low on on whatever <laughs> they've not they've not brought their full accompaniment. So uh, and it oh, has yeah. and it has come in marker getting stuff signed. Um, I was um, I got a head sketch from George Perez of Kid Flash at a convention, and I wasn't the first guy in line, but or maybe I was, because George is like, oh, I, he didn't have like his his blue line pencil to rough it out. He said, I need a pencil, and there was a couple people talking behind the table, and somebody said, oh, here you go, and they have him a pencil, and it was a red pencil. He made one line, and he got. Not like crazy irate, Matt, but you could tell like it totally threw him off. He's like, I can't use this. What are you doing? I can't use this red pencil. And they weren't paying attention even though it was a red pencil. He asked for a pencil. They hand him a pencil. 
but yeah, it was not what he had planned. I was just going to share an example of, of where my, uh, my preparedness paid off. So this is uh, Lobo custom bound book. And uh, I was talking about Simon Bisley. There we Heck go. Yeah. Raw. Wow. And uh, it was like, uh, you know, those are, I was saying, uh, uh, yeah. Do you want to borrow yeah. my red pen? <laughs> That's <laughs> so awesome. That was, That's uh, great. The, the other, the other option. If you're getting a Lobo, you need you need the red eyes. You could also, it's like, oh no, I forgot my red pen. It's like, oh, Mr. Bisley, uh, would you be offended if in three days when I get home, I fill in the eyes red? We just sort of <laughs> pretend you did it. Like I'll never, I'll never like sell this as like 100% you. I'd, I'd say like <laughs> I ruined it with the eyes, but like, do I have your permission? The inverse of that was um, I got a uh, a sketch from. Brian Bolland, and this would be a beat about um, 1995 or, or so, uh, UK UK comic art convention, um, when he was still sketching, and he drew me uh, a, a mag magnificent Joker sketch. Um, but some of the you know workings out is still visible in the in the ink because it was mostly straight straight to ink, and um, so so there's a kind of a line kind of crossing crossing the bridge of his nose, and he's like. Yeah, when you get home, you can just put take some Tipex to that and wipe it out. And I was like, yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> I'm not going to take white out to to a Brian Bolland. I'm going to try. I'm going to try the opposite. If I ever meet Bisley, I'm going to just draw two red diamonds in the middle of a page. I'm going to say, "Can you do Lobo's face around this?" My friend Mark said. <laughs> well, if you're just coloring in the eyes, you could give yourself uh, credit as colorist then. <laughs> in enhancements okay, let's, by. Yeah. <laughs> let's move let's move on to the next one <laughs> we got any on. have we got um, any guesses on the artist from uh i know who it is john? i oh, say okay. john knows i know, I john know who it is <laughs> i don't think tim's gonna get it he's done uh, the uh, name is this John Boy John Boy Mayers? No, it is not. Oh, Jeremy! Wow, cool. Um, cool. I have a couple from Jeremy um, in the Joe collection. This is one that um, Jeremy um, cussed me for because I asked him to draw, <laughs> according to him, a refrigerator. <laughs> like all the characters, he asked me to draw a refrigerator. That's great. I'm like, but it's the coolest looking refrigerator ever. Like that should be package art. Um, Jeremy was actually, he was one of the first guys in the sketchbook. He did a, he did a snake eyes probably in one of the first, I'd say 10 sketches in the sketchbook. Um, and, uh, he did a, uh, flamethrower from the October guard. Um, I'm blanking on his name. Dragon off. Yes. Thank you. And I'm not sure if there was more, but for whatever reason, I don't, I'm not sure how I came up with this reason to have him do this snake armor. And he was, he was like, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, that looks cool. That looks fun. And um, he took it home with him that night. It was at Dragon Con in Atlanta when they were living down there. And um, the next day he brought it back and I'm like, wow. And he's like, why did you ask me to draw you a refrigerator? All those cool character. Um, <laughs> Kelly Dale still gives me crap about that. <laughs> still. Um, but Jeremy knows G.I. Joe. Jeremy definitely was a G.I. Joe fan. Um, 
the fact that I asked him to draw a refrigerator with legs, he did not shy away from. He embraced it. Um, I don't think you could have more um, chaos and commotion going on in that. And the snake armor was pretty darn cool. Yeah, I think we had um, a snake armor in your collection when we were looking at it, John, right? Is that, was that Brian Shearer? Brian Shearer, yeah. Yeah, when, he was, when the guy was putting the stickers on the yeah on their armor. That's a great the only The only two snake armor. Uh, <laughs> There's probably not many, but I, 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 I adore this one. I, yeah. <laughs> the, the variety of shapes right the like thin jagged lines for bullets and then the side of the brush pen for on the right with where well, the black is for the explosion and then the puffy smoke clouds and then the very mm. crisp like curvy lines of the actual armor um the really really nicely spotted black ink on the on the left the arm on the left its right arm with the missile uh, this is lots of fun. I, I, I will probably never get excited about the snake armor. Uh, <laughs> I like it. I just, it's hard to get excited about it. Uh, you know, it's, a it's <laughs> slow and lumbering. Also, it's confusing to me as a kid. Is it a guy in the suit? Is it an autonomous robot? Yes. The cartoon suggests one. It was never in the comic. The toys, uh, confusing cause it's got that, that piece of plastic that, that keeps it together. But, uh, this drawing sure sure gives it a bunch of life and potential. And and so uh you know, based on how lumbering it is in the show, I would never expect it to um bend its legs this much uh in an action scene. Mm. So Yeah, it's almost like he's about to leap or something, isn't it? It's uh, uh yeah. He's probably not, knocked not over quite. by an explosion. He's trying to stand up. My eye with this is both legs. He drew different detail on both legs. Mm -hmm. The one leg, it's got almost like some kind of like accordion design going on and armor plating. And the other leg is more mm -hmm. based, but it, it's the snake armor. It totally works. It doesn't. Is, it I wonder doesn't if, matter. I wonder if that's reflecting how the arms are different from each other too. It could be. Um, as it, you know, I've never, I've never thought this until looking at this particular drawing. Uh, sometimes you see something in one, um, universe or toy line or like license that feels like it was um, it reminds you of something from another one you know it's like uh, it's like there's a there's a guy in Star Wars to me that sort of looks like he wandered in from He-Man in the Masters universe looking at this I feel like I finally see the like Star Wars and Transformers I, I know I know this predates Transformers but I'm sort of seeing this as like part Star Wars and part Transformer and if you think I'm just coming up with something arbitrary, I'm happy to not say anything else about this. Because the snake armor has always been um, in the like Cobra design ethos off to the side. And like G.I. Joe 82, 83, 84 was like very much either not inspired by Star Wars, but like existing in a post Star Wars world. You know, like anytime the show um was a little bit more fantastical it's like is that because of star wars um and anytime the toy is a little more fantastical um you know even that could be like a second generation like sort of star wars suggestion uh, because you know star wars is just in the water and in the air by 85 um but in in a good way i don't i don't say this in in a bad way but it's like i, I look at the sideways and it's like i see the star wars 
Mm-hmm. I can um, see that. Yeah, and a droid or some kind of environmental. Like the dark whatever. troopers. Yeah, that they had. Or the yeah. um, big ones. Uh, what was uh, the space troopers? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the Dark Horse comics. Um, so do, do you guys? For you guys, is this a guy in a suit or is this an autonomous robot? Um, like you, I was always confused. Um, I mean, in the cartoon, in the cartoon, didn't they put it on at one point? Didn't somebody climb into one? One of the mini series. I know they were like sentries. They were like automated sentries. But I thought like Snake Eyes climbed into one at some point or something. I know in the um, in the comics they did it one time. But this is an yeah. earlier. This is one of the earlier years that the snake came out. I know that just from being a kid and having the toy. So they were probably still, you know, throwing ideas and seeing what stuck. And they didn't quite have their, with Cobra, you know, you had more room to play. But I liked it because it was very versatile. You could use it as a robot. You could use it as, you know, brainwashing. I like the idea that there's a brainwashed, you know, Joe in there and you can't, can't really blow it up. How do you save them? It's mm. good. I was going to say, Shane, that that you mentioned that you kind of gravita- gravitate towards uh, creators who are, are nice guys, and uh, I think Jeremy Dale's kind of. Any time I hear it mention him, his name mentioned, people say what a you know nice guy he was. Um, was was that kind of your experience that uh he was, he was well nice isn't the right word he was fun just fun to be around even if you were like you're waiting to get some books signed by him and you're three guys back in line i guarantee you had a good time just listening to him chatting with people he wasn't there he didn't think too highly of himself he was a fan but he enjoyed this he enjoyed the industry he enjoyed drawing he enjoyed being part of this world so being at conventions and getting to see him that he was in his glory he was great and he was there to talk to everyone and have a good time and do all that he um the last piece i got from jeremy um i have an x-men collection i asked him to draw some x babies for me for the x-men collection because jeremy's got that cartoony style and when i picked it up from jeremy at the convention because it was a pre-order he had Mojo and like the entire X-Men team of X-Babies. And then he told me that that was the second drawing of it because the first drawing, he had taken it with him and traveled on the plane and something got spilled and that got damaged and ruined. So he had to redo it all. And he said it was completely different. And he said this one was way better besides the fact that the other one got ruined. And I felt so bad that he had to draw it twice. He's like, why? He's like, this one, like, I got all the bad ideas out on that one. This one was way better. And he loved it. But the fact that he had to draw, you know, Mojo and the X-Babies back to back as a pre-order convention sketch was just ridiculous to me. And he he could have cared less. When, um, when IDW started doing the hardcovers and they put the Hasbro comics um, that came packaged with the two packs. They inserted those in chronologically where they would fit. And Jeremy had the, um, I don't know how it's numbered, but the follow-up to issue 21. 21B. Like, oh, yeah. Fell between the scenes. Um, I took that hardcover to Jeremy to sign. And he's like, I don't have anything in here. 
he had no idea that book was in there, that they had done that. So <laughs> I got to tell him and he was over the moon. He was, he was ready to do backflips. He was so excited and thrilled. And he still thanked me for that. But the couple of times I saw him after that, he's like, you're the one that told me. I didn't know that was in there. And you're the one that told me because you brought that book up. I'm like, it's, it's all good. You know, that's, we all look out for each other. But yeah, he's just, he's one of the guys. If he was on mm. here, if he'd be on here talking with us right now, it would, it would be the same other than we'd just be sitting back and laughing because he's got, he's got some stories to tell and he was a funny guy. I've got two stories to tell about artists and unfortunate incidents with with art that I'm that I know. One is, uh, do you know the book uh, Where's Wookie, the Star Wars book? It's like Where's Wally, Where's Waldo, but with uh, Chewbacca. Yeah. Uh, the art is by this this incredible artist called Ulysses Varanas, who did uh, I think some Judge Dread art for for IDW. Um, bit you know very kind of in the vein of Jeff Darrow, lots of detail. And okay. uh, he was doing one of these massive Where's Wally style spreads and spilt, uh, I think, I think ink. He knocked his ink bottle or something all across the, the page. And he had to go back and redo this incredibly detailed <laughs> page uh, that he was working on. Uh, another story was, uh, I think, Steve Dillon working on a Judge Dredd strip. And he'd been out to the pub and um, with his art folder and he got back home and he didn't have it and uh, he's like oh no you know lost the art you know disaster it's got to get to print for uh, you know next day so it does an all-nighter borrows in lots of favors redraws the you know whatever it's five page judge judge red strip uh, and then the next day you know gets a call from the the pub and letting him know that he's uh, he's left his art behind <laughs> Okay, uh, next up, we have something that is maybe my favorite from uh, from these pieces. No, second favorite, Michael Golden. Uh, <laughs> this is incredible. Um, yeah, so this is the opening. When you open up the sketchbook, that's what you open it up to. Um, okay, that's page one and two. Yeah. Is, is this Brian Stelfreeze? It is. Wow. A marker or He's a master of color. Wow. When I decided to do the Joe sketchbook, I had, I think we were at a comic book show and they had like an old um, Heroes Con program guide, like in the dollar box or whatever. And we were thumbing through it and Brian Stelfreeze, whatever year that was, must have wrote his own bio and said that in his spare time, he liked to team up and go on adventures with Snake Eyes. <laughs> and so I decided when I started my Joe book, I was gonna have Brian Stelfreeze do Snake Eyes, based 100% on that throwaway line in his bio. Um, so uh, when I met Stelfreeze, um, I asked him if he would do that, and he was all about it. And he said, but tell you what, he said, let me take it with me and so I can spend some time with it and I can, you know, do it back at the studio and I'll mail it to you. Great. He's like, here's my email. Um, and this was at Heroes Con, which we generally saw him every year. Here's my email. You know, you can reach out to me. It's no problem. Well, um, I never heard from Brian Stelfreeze for that year. Um, I did email him. My emails um, did, 
were not answered. So the next year at Heroes, I was not sure um, what to do. So I brought a new blank sketchbook. I mean, it's 15, 20 bucks. Um, I took that and I walked up to Brian Stelfreeze and he points at me after a year and goes, snake eyes. And I said, yeah, <laughs> like, I don't have it. <laughs> okay. Like, is it done? He's like, I don't have your book here, but I can have it here tomorrow. I'm like, well, did you do it? He's like, no. I said, then don't worry about the book. I brought a new one. He's like, give it here. And he, I swear he just like grabbed it and started painting right then and there. Um, so he worked on this throughout the convention and it's painting. So he couldn't work on it nonstop. He'd have to let it dry. Um, so it would, he initially, he just grabbed that, that light blue that you see at the bottom. That's all that it was, was just that light blue. Um, and he would work on it. He'd just like take a step back and be like, yeah, you just, I just got to see how it talks to me. He grabs some purple and throws some purple down. And the next thing you know, there's yellow. And um, that was also the convention when I first met Robert Atkins and told Robert Atkins, I was, I was kind of lining up. Like I didn't know how things were going to work out with still freeze. I didn't know what I was going to do. So I was going to have Robert doing, do something. And um, Jeremy Hahn and those guys are both like, yeah, well, still freeze is like, yeah, I'm doing it. So he started doing it. So I told those guys. So when it would get, when it would be sort of dry, but Stelfreeze didn't have time. I ran it over to Robert Atkins and then took it back to Stelfreeze and then ran it over to Jeremy Hunt and then ran it back to Stelfreeze. And um, so Robert and Jeremy worked on it while this was in the, so they're like going back and looking at it and then sketching out their stuff, going back, looking at it. So when it was done, I had to go show them the finished, the finished product. Um, but it's pretty impressive. I, this is one of those pieces that like looking at it now, like it, it's crazy me to realize like that's mine. Like that's, that's my collection. It's, it's sitting right here, but to look at it on the screen there, I'm like, wow. Yeah, that's, um, that's crazy. But yeah, Brian said, he's like, I take the first, the first sketch in a sketchbook very seriously. And, um, <laughs> he, he, he does take it very seriously. And, um, yeah, I don't know if he actually goes on adventures with Snake Eyes, but it kind of looks like, you know, he does. It looks like he's been somewhere with Snake Eyes and he knows some things. I don't know. Was that the only reference to G.I. Joe in that bio? Yes. Huh. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, I regardless, I mean, even if it would have been like just that head on one page, it still would have been cool. I mean, it's phenomenal now but if it would have just been the head and no swords and no nothing else instead it would have been cool and it would have been brian stelfries on the first page and um i have a pencil sketch from brian in my x-men collection of iceman that is um extremely cool it's it's weird because you see it's brian stelfries but it's a pencil sketch because it's from i'm sure the early 90s um but all the but the stylized lineage is all there and it works great for Iceman. It works great for his form and him like shooting an ice blast. It's all kind of funky, but it works perfect for that character. What's really striking about this is that it's all done with four colors. It's just the red, the yellow, the orange, 
the blue. I guess I guess uh, I guess then then the violet. I guess there are two blues and then the violet. So this is all done with six colors and then a little bit of black. So where you see a little bit of green on like the left visor, right up against the the red. Yeah. Can you zoom in, Mark? Like that's not green. That's that's where blue and yellow are crossing. And the same thing happens on the on the on the handle of the. Um, yeah, it's like you think you see green, but that's not that's not an applied green. That's a mix. Um, mm. It's also exciting to see. You know, his his stuff is so angular, so design influenced, and so like architectural. When he draws people or stuff, um, mm -hmm. and uh, I feel like it's gotten a little bit more in that direction over the years, like there was sort of more or more rounded quality to it when he was painting all those Batman shadow of the bat covers in yeah. the nineties. And, you know, like you look at his uh, sequential work on day men or black Panther. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's changed over time. And because this is finger quotes, just a sketch, uh, this is this is imperfect. You know, it's like a little lumpy here. The line's a little wiggly here, and um, and it's it's still so architectural. There's so much of a sense of design, right? Like adherence to geometric shapes and uh, composition. Like uh, these three, these two or three like errant orange lines that we're seeing on the top right, the negative space between the back of his head and the first sword, um, like. Those are just brushstrokes. Those don't line up with any sort of sort of building in the background. They're not like motion lines or anything, and they're not mistakes. But they're those those three lines. Like, like they don't they don't imply anything besides like well, it's a sketch, and there're going to be some lines on the paper. Um, and it's uh, I'm trying to say something fancier than it's nice to see that Stelfries can draw something imperfect because so much of his covers and art. It just like feels like crisp perfection. Um, but it's nice to see that Stelfries can draw some things that aren't perfect. But it's still, you sort of like, you have to like rub your eyes because it's like, well, this isn't perfect because it's still just a sketch, but it's it's kind of perfect. Yeah. It's still all and, like and there. When you're take, taking it in at first and you're a little bit further away, you, you get the, the overall impression. And then as you zoom in and look at the, the detail, you can kind of see the construction of it. It's really impressive how 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 he's accomplishing what he's he's doing because you know like on the visor of the mask you've got these um just purple lines which you know why purple you know that does that make any logical sense not maybe especially but it just works and the the white on the on the other side the the you know in the, in the with the different lights you know just really making it feel like um this this three so, this solid 3d object and yet still clearly a beautiful impressionistic painting it's um yeah quite something to behold um what i love about brian and his well not necessarily his work but if you talk to any artist that has met brian they will tell you that even if they thought they understood color theory they didn't until they talked to brian and he explained it to them brian is like an actual jedi master of color theory and i i'm not an artist I enjoy art. I've picked up some tidbits along the way, just like I'm sure all of you guys have. And if I can um, 
use that to explain a concept or an idea or um, something like that, then I'm excited about that. So the fact that these guys who went to art school and they're making a living doing this and this is their world and they can spend a couple hours with Brian Stelfreeze and it opens up like another level to them, another, um, another ability to understand what they're doing and what they're working on. It just blows me away that that is like that. Like Brian to me is like an earthly treasure. <laughs> like we can never lose him. He's too important to the world of art. Um, the other thing that maybe I'm a proud papa in this case, maybe I'm full of it, but I feel like um, sometimes if an artist is not a G.I. Joe artist, or maybe even if they are, they can draw something and it doesn't feel like G.I. Joe. It just feels like a drawing. Yeah, it's a guy in an army uniform with a gun or yeah, I, that could be G.I. Joe. I don't know. To me, even though this is Snake Eyes, this feels like G.I. Joe, not just because it's Snake Eyes. Like this feels like it came from something or it's a part of something. I don't know. It feels G.I. Joe to me, which is great because when someone would open up the book to work on it, a lot of them would slam the book down and want to give it back. They're like, I'm not drawing in this. That's the first thing. <laughs> this is how you start the book. I've got the my buddy Andy airbrushed that Arashikagi symbol on the front. And then you open it up to that. They're like, no, I'm not <laughs> painted snake eyes. I'm not drawing in this. And you, you, you say to them like, no, it's okay. Cause you're going to draw for 10 minutes or an hour. Stelfreeze took this book for a year. <laughs> <laughs> um, Shane, can I suggest that? A different uh, <laughs> can I suggest you uh, at, in a future date commission Stelfreeze to draw or paint the companion piece which could be the um, final page and the inside back cover of a sketchbook. And it's Brian Stelfreeze in sort of the mirror, as I said, <laughs> the, the mirror image, like negative, negative space to hit to the left. And then it's, then you can complete the circle of the sentence from that bio from the, the convention uh, brochure. And uh, maybe, maybe he'd be a little easier on himself just drawing himself or painting himself because it's not like a famous character. I, um, something like that has never crossed my mind. <laughs> Brian, you know, You're welcome. Is such a laid back, like fun loving guy. I bet he would go for that. <laughs> I, can, I can see him being excited about that. And if, if it's too weird, if he's like, well, I don't want to draw myself, maybe you can, um, uh, maybe you can, like, well, are you like 10% a, a G.I. Joe good guy or Cobra bad guy in this scenario? Like maybe you've got a little bit of Storm Shadows uh, white uniform down here, but it's still you. I should go this way. It's still, it's still you. It's still you. Yeah. Ah, like that. Creates himself as a, as a G.I. Joe outfit because he, he likes those, you know, funky hats, doesn't he, that, uh, that he wears. And yeah, you can just... Stretch up a, a notch to to GI Joe Joeify it until he's actually a a GI Joe team member himself. Well, I can't wait to see Brian Stelfreeze again now. <laughs> um, uh, uh, warm and cool, orange, uh, yellow, orange, red, warm in the background, um, blue, green, purple in the foreground. This creates a separation. This is like one of those rules that 
not just comics artists, but any artist uh, can fall back on to, to create a separation between uh, two planes or two objects. And then there's this really big uh, highlight here, which is just the white of the paper left white, mm. which is like not a thing that happens as often in comics as it could, uh, particularly in the, you know, after like 1995, I feel like before then, colorists were often thinking like they're using Doc Martin's dyes, they're painting on the color guides, eight and a half by 11 photocopies of the inked pages. And they're thinking of the paper that this will get printed on. And I feel like it's a different thought process for a lot of colorists who are sitting at a computer working in Photoshop where they're not working on paper. And even though it's gonna get printed on paper, they're also thinking it's gonna be a digital file like RGB versus CMYK. Um, whereas Stelfreeze here, it's like all 10 fingers are touching this paper all day long. And, and it's like, you know, that highlight could be yellow, it could be pink, or, or it could just be the white of the page. Um, okay. My buddy Popo went, Literally, Stelfreeze was working on it. My buddy Popa at one point walked up to him and was standing there chatting with him. And Brian was just standing back. Like, it's laying there on the table, and he's just standing there looking at it. And he's like, I think a little purple. He just grabs the purple, throws it, throws it on there. Um, I will say on my um, – this is on Comic Art Fans, and the image we're looking at now is a new scan that I sent just for the show today. The picture on – comic art fans is just a photo I took of it back when I got it. But as a uh, additional image, I also have um, a picture of it when it was just blues. So um, none of the yellow, purple, green, any of that, just blue, dark blue, light blue, and white. Um, so if you want to take a look at that at some point, that's um, that image exists on there. See if I could be beat the clock and, and call it up while we were talking. <laughs> Let me so see. So should be a pretty quick sketch on comic art fans. Is, uh, is this, are we ending on this one, Mark? Cause no uh, offense to any other artist ever, but, uh, cause I, I, you know, it's, uh, it could be tough, a tough act to follow this one in our, Ooh, cool. That also would have been totally awesome if he'd stopped right there. Sure. Yeah. Oops, there we go. It wasn't done talking to him. It had more to say. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. So if yeah, memory serves, I snapped this at one point when I was running it over to Robert or Jeremy to, do, to work on theirs while I had it in my hands for a minute. I snapped this picture quick. Good man. Nice. Um, so uh, to your question, there are more in the list. So uh, <laughs> It's fine. It's these, you know, it, I, these are all I different. I the list a little bit. I, I sent a couple extra. So if, if we needed to, there was more. I mean, it's like trying to pick your favorite children. I mean, there's, we can go on. And I kept it, other than one of the extras, <laughs> I kept it just sketches in the sketchbook. I didn't go commissions or original pages or anything like that. I tried to keep it confined to the sketchbook. Any any sketch good. after this is still going to be great because they're all <laughs> – no, no, I'm serious. Uh, they're, they're all on a different scale. You know, It's like this is like a paint master, color master, 
like design whiz who's not affiliated with GI Joe. And if the next one is like someone new to the industry or someone from the indie scene or like a Joe veteran, uh, we, we, we can like, you know, sort of rubberize and take a sip of water as a palate cleanser. And it's like, what's the new context for the next drawing that's gonna be awesome for different okay. reasons. Let's, let's see, shall we? Oh. Ooh, fun. <laughs> so this is um, Daryl Banks. Nice. who um, we talked about earlier that we're big fans. We're big friends. He, um, again, um, he's one of our many nominees for nicest guy ever. Um, <laughs> friendly. He, um, he's a huge comic book fan. He has as many stories about meeting his legends um, in the industry and being starstruck as any of us do. Um, this is one that because I see Daryl often, I believe I gave him my book at a show and then he was doing um, a local store signing a couple weeks later. So he brought it to the store signing to pick up. Um, I will say that um, this one continuity buffs may have some issues with this because those two um, costumes for the characters don't technically line up. That is a Robert Atkin storm shadow design and the okay. resolute Snake Eyes design. So God, they don't. Here we go. This guy. <laughs> um, but the uh, the the tank in the background. That's all, Daryl. The Aras Arashikagi symbol. That's all, Daryl. I asked for Snake Eyes versus Storm Shadow. We looked at a couple different um, references and uniforms. And he, he liked that storm shadow and he couldn't decide on snake eyes. So I picked the resolute cause it's my favorite overall snake eyes design, but I think they match up well. I mean, the resolute design looks very similar to a Robert Atkins design, I think, but. If this was a cover or a story, I would scratch my head and say, those two costumes can't meet, <laughs> but for a convention sketch, wonderful. And, and all bets are off. Well, I mean, with both of them, I mean, all their costumes are variations. There's not a lot where it's completely something different. So one of them just grabbed the, the not matching uh, uniform out of the closet that day, I guess. I don't know. Eco Warriors Snake Eyes versus, uh, versus Star Brigade Battletech Storm Shadow. Armor Tech, excuse me. Um, it's it's a fun contrast that you've got the, uh, you know the the bad guy in white and the good guy in black, one's on the ground, what's up in the one's up in the air, they've each got there's some things that are different about them and there's some things that are the same about them right each each one is has a hand straight out each one is holding a single weapon, um, so it feels. Uh, evenly matched even if maybe storm shadow uh snake eyes is more on the offense and storm shadow at this moment is more on the defense uh i like the uh uh invented his question mark um daryl's a big toy guy so i don't know if there's some if he if he pulled that from a toy design if that's a combination if it's maybe wasn't a different tank not a his tank I'm not up on all the hiss variants, so I don't um, I don't claim to be a hiss expert, but um, it's still Cobra Tank. 
Great textures he, too. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mark. I was going to say it looks like he's maybe created a a signature for himself in um, Japanese script down there in the in the bottom right. Yeah, is that is that a way that Banks has um, signed other artwork for you, Shane? No, no, that's just for this piece. Hmm. You know, it looks uh, smacks of maybe doing some research to try and figure out what what Banks might look like in um in in Japanese script, perhaps. But uh, yeah, going the extra mile. It's fun to see I, I the. Enjoyed... Go ahead, Tim. Oh, uh, it's fun to see the Resolute costume uh, since, you know, Resolute occupies such a narrow sort of width in the G.I. Joe timeline. And, uh, you know, like there were toys designed that looked like the cartoon that weren't uh, released. Um, and then also the Resolute Snake Eyes is is not black. It's, it's gray, the thing that Mark just held up. And this Snake Eyes here is reading as, you know, dark, dark gray or black. Yeah, it's a it's a very, I think a very popular version of Snake Eyes in the toy community. Just a very satisfying design and um, well articulated. And he's got this short sword on uh, on on his back that sort of tucks into the belt as well. So there's a lot of elements to to like. And I've seen people sort of rating their favourite Snake Eyes, and this one appearing uh, very uh, very much towards the the top of it. Or should we should we push on through to to get to the end of the list? Yeah. Quick fire. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, so I know lots of Joe fans um, have Larry Hama art. I'm not unique in that. I'm not saying I am. Um, but this piece was the last page in the sketchbook. This was the final page, uh -huh. which I say to Larry. Um, I'm a fan of the Navy SEALs in general. Um, so I've always liked um, Torpedo and Wetsuit. I learned about the SEALs when I was in high school, which was not that many years after um, being a Joe fan. And I was still a Joe fan through high school. Um, one of my best friends in high school um, was a fan of the Marine Corps. So we always um, gravitated to Wetsuit and Leatherneck and their um, bickering from the cartoon. Um, but for my last page, I went back and forth a lot on what I wanted for the last page. And I came up with a lot of crazy concepts and characters and finally decided I was going to go with Larry and I was going to go with Torpedo and Wetsuit because I wanted the two SEAL characters because I did not have anything representing them. And Larry initially did not want to draw them in uniform. He wanted to do them in fatigues. And he asked me, can I draw them in fatigues? And I hesitated and he said, oh, you want them in costumes so they're recognizable. And I was like, um, yeah, I kind of do. Like, I, I like when he puts them in fatigues on a land mission. I like that they're not running around with flippers on, like um, the early comics or the cartoons. But um, yeah, I wanted them to, um, I wanted them to be them. Um, I do like that he gave them um, more realistic weapons. I, um, I'm a fan of that. And I think but, this, um, um, this saw that. Torpedo's using is his go-to weapon of choice for for torpedo from the comics uh, of late. If I am correct, and I used to be more up on this, I believe 
It could be a saw, but I believe it's the stoner machine gun, which came before the saw and the seals used in Vietnam, which in the annual where Torpedo and Wetsuit go to Cobra Island, they have a stoner and they have a, um, oh, it's a grease gun, but I, um, oh, I just blanked on it. I used to know the name of it. I used to know the make and model. And they were popular Vietnam era seal weapons. So I believe that I believe that's the stoner, but the stoner, the saw, the M60, they're all the same general family concept, I guess. Yeah, I will defer to you on that one. I, I won't claim <laughs> to be a, <laughs> an expert on, on weaponry. He did give wetsuit the um, M16 AR style rifle, not the Vietnam submachine gun that I was talking about that I can't. That's going to drive me nuts. Mark, can we see the bottom half in close-up? Yep. I like that wave on, on the right, that they're, they're coming out of the ocean. Mm. You know, this is on the beach. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah, they're coming up out of the water. It's, yeah, here, this, this sort of subtle impression of the, the you know, a a wave coming up and breaking on the yeah as it's coming into the shore and yeah larry does uh, he, i've i've seen a fair few sketches from him where where you know people are you know wading through you know marshy lands or or or, or whatnot and he does do a good kind of splash or, or ripple effect as people are moving through water nice uh let's move on Brian Hurt, nice. Oh, Brian man. Hurt. Brian Hurt is the artist that I talked about earlier that gave me a list of characters that he would like to draw should the book make it back to him. Um, the <laughs> first characters he did for me were Destro and Baroness, in which um, he asked if he could draw them together, and I said sure. And then when I went to pay him, I paid him for a two-character sketch, and he said, you gave me too much money. And I said, well, no, it's two characters. He said, I asked to draw two characters. You didn't ask me to. <laughs> um, so Zartan was one of the other characters he wanted to draw. So when I got the opportunity um, to get the book back to him, the so now that you've zoomed in, you can tell just the, the shadows from the tree that he's in. Um, I feel like that also kind of plays with the camouflage aspect of the character. Mm -hmm. Um, the fact that he gave him a bow, I think, shows that Brian Hurt knows a G.I. Joe. I mean, he just, doesn't just have a gun or knife or whatever. Um, the fact that he's in a tree, I mean, that's a, that's a scene. That's, a, that's not just, you know, on a metal floor or in front of a wall. You know, he's up in a tree about to take somebody out. It's just a cool piece. The, uh, the sixth gun... Uh, the series, the sixth gun that Cullen Bunn wrote mm -hmm. and Brian Hurt drew at Oni. Uh, it's it's one of my go-to recommendations at my store, uh, both the actual series and the, the three or four tie-in spin-off books. So viewers and listeners, if you want a good uh, 70 issue, like what is it total? Nine, nine paperbacks roughly? Uh, the sixth gun. Six and their, their issue 21 was silent, wasn't it? If I recall. Really? 
I think so. Shane, do you remember? I do I think not they, remember. I think that. they made I thought they had a silent issue. I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm I'm not met, that, but I don't I, remember I, that. I remember talking to Colin and Brian at at uh, at a free comic book day about Joe because we were talking about your sketchbook, Shane. I, <laughs> I swear I thought they had a silent story somewhere in there. Huh. Uh, I, uh, I I read that series like a year ago. Uh, I, I was recommending it long before that because I'd read the first maybe, issue. Maybe 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 Colin maybe he wanted he was thinking about how could we do one. I I, I don't know. That was a long time ago. <laughs> very cool. If true, very cool. And if not, fun idea. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, amazing. Just amazing. Sort of this, you know, gray tones that he's using for the background and the the sh uh, and the shadows yeah. that are being cast on Zartan. It's a great use of tones. Okay, what we got next? Tunnel rat, not with a belt-fed machine gun. Um, so this, I believe, was my first sketch from Shannon. Um, this started the trend of Shannon having Joe's um, murdering Disney characters. <laughs> <laughs> this was the first, was it? <laughs> yeah, I, as, as far as I know, because he seemed pretty tickled with himself, and I thought it was pretty clever. <laughs> That where, where, did, where did the idea so the, come from? Um, the, Shannon, something he came. I just asked for Tunnel Rat. He incorporated <laughs> that Tunnel Rat had killed Winnie the Pooh. He he came up with that aspect on his own. Apparently, wow. he figured Pooh Bear lives in a hole in the ground, and Tunnel Rat goes in holes. So <laughs> Tunnel Rat fragged him out. Huh. Is the, um, the speech I, bubble I there says "silly dead bear," uh, which is a play on with, um, "torpedo harpooned Nemo." I've got that in my collection. Again, I asked for torpedo, and I got that. Um, I feel like there was one in between, but then I got a breaker sketch from him, and I specifically asked for breaker from the comics. Not not with the full beard. I like Breaker from the comics where he's got like some stubble or whatever. So I forget the actual joke, but it's something along the lines of Breaker has gum all over his face and his hands where his his chewing gum bubble pops. And he makes some comment along the lines of good thing I don't have a beard because he's got chewing gum <laughs> all over it. And then he had to put it in color because he realized he had this weird sticky substance all over the place. And he needed to put it in color so it was in proper context and nobody took it the wrong way. There was a lot. Which, a lot because there done. used to be the guy that ran around Heroes with the glue sketchbook. Yeah. He liked characters. He wanted all, the, all the characters drawn yeah. being in glue. Hmm. Well, back, <laughs> back, back to this drawing. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's nice to see uh, Gallant's work just as pencils and yeah. Uh, so tight because you know for so long sort of mostly what we saw all we saw was his work inked and almost always inked by someone else uh, and it's it's fun to see sort of the unfiltered uh, gallant e even if you know him making himself or someone else inking him or his straight pencils all still do look pretty similar yeah it's a great sketch I mean even as like official convention sketches go, this is still kind of elaborate. 
I mean, like I said, nowadays, yeah, you're getting like a full-blown commission when you get a convention sketch, but this, you know, there's a little bit more to it. You spend, you know, a little bit more time on it, but it's, it's penciled. It's not super perfect, even though Shannon's art always feels very precise. Mm -hmm. um, being pencil, it's got some energy to it. Um, going back, talking about um, Daryl Banks again, knowing him all these years, Daryl transitioned from doing pencil convention sketches to doing inks. And then for a while, it was, he had both options. And I was really torn with that because he's got so much pencil or energy in his pencils. His inks are really solid and look really finished. But his pencils are really precise. And there's a lot of energy there that even though it's still great art, I feel like you lose a little bit of that in the inks. And I'm always torn on that when when given that option now. I hate that because, yeah, inks that look more finished, it looks fancier, it looks prettier. But um, sometimes you lose a little bit. It's just a different feel. Okay, I think we're coming into the uh, home straight now. This is either last one or last one but one. Uh, okay. Last but one. <laughs> um, so this one I picked, because this is an example of, um, this is by Derek Donovan. Um, this was a Heroes Con sketch. I um, did not ask Derek Donovan to draw this. I did not... Um, have any plans on speaking with Derek Donovan, nothing against him. I just didn't really know him. Um, I was there talking to the artist next to Derek Donovan, asking him to draw the Joe book. And um, that guy was fine drawing in the Joe book, but it, he wasn't like a Joe fan. It wasn't doing anything for him. He didn't, he didn't really care. In the meantime, Derek Donovan made it very clear. Um, he was like a hyper little puppy. You have a GI Joe book? <laughs> What's on the next page? Who's there? You have Serpentor? Can I draw Serpentor? And I'm like, Derek Donovan, would you like to draw my G.I. Joe book? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's a super cool sketch. Um, at this point in time, my Serpentor art was made or reference was made up of different looks. So this was there. The more um, later, like, action figure armored look was in there. And, I mean, he chose this, which I think is cool. To me, that shows, you know, he's, a, mm -hmm. he's an old school fan, original like first appearance comic book serpentor. Orange we pants. We call, we, call him, we call him orange pants serpentor. Yes. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. But yeah, when that when the artist is um all but chasing you down because you have a G.I. Joe book and they want to draw on it, it's hard to say no. Do do you charge then? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't quite work that way. You say that, Tim, though, but um, it, it, <laughs> I have been in a situation where I have received, well, there, there has been an exchange of monies coming this way from the from the artist, uh, which was where uh, James, my son, went to, to his first big uh, comic con and, you know, very, very excited, spent uh, ages beforehand sort of looking at all of who, who's going to be attending and what they were doing and, and coming up with ideas of uh, you know drawing their characters um, and and that kind of thing and when when he went along he had a um, an art book of his art folder of his own and he would typically say you know uh, to to them I've drew I drew this for you, drew this for you 
and um, he went up to uh, Cameron Stewart and gave him uh, a Batgirl that he had uh, drawn for. And he said, you know, uh, through this for you, it's a, it's a gift for you. And he said, no, you, should, you shouldn't undervalue your, your art. Um, this is worth something. <laughs> gave him five pounds. And I said, you can't do that. You can't. No, it's my money. It's my decision. This is for him. You buy wow. him something, something nice from the con. Um, and, you know, it was just, you know, a, a lovely experience for, you know, for James to, to be recognized like that by an artist and, you know, real generosity. And then Cameron Stewart charged cool. you 105 pounds for a Batgirl <laughs> sketch from him. No, he did. He did a Batgirl sketch for James for free in his uh, sketchbook. Ah. Uh, and then I, I, I previously, I think I've shared this before. I previously bought a, um, uh, a two-faced sketch from, from him. Um, I think that's the only sketch that I have bought from him. Yeah. But yeah, nice encounter. Uh, so was there something about this particular sketch other than the uh, enthusiasm from uh, no. from Derek Donovan um, about I the prospect of... I never had a sketch from Derek before. I'd never met Derek before. I was aware of his work. Um, Is this before his, his young blood or after? Um, I want to say after, but I'm not positive. Okay. Um, sorry, I enjoy it. No, that's fine. But um, no, like I said, I was trying to set something up with somebody else who who did draw in the book, but it was just a convention sketch to them. They didn't, you know, there was no experience or cool notes to it. But um, there there was for Derek Donovan. Yeah, if you yeah. ever want a sketch from Derek Donovan, he he's on board. <laughs> this this piece has a really nice sense of light. Like light source is from the mm. top left. Um, oh yeah, and and the inking is all, you know, really clear. And I'd love to see this with some hard edge colors and not with uh, renders and gradients. So I think <laughs> a lot of his um, a lot of the work that I've done seen from him done as uh, sketches at uh, conventions or as home commissions have been in color, if I'm remembering correctly. And maybe maybe that's something that he's been doing more hmm. more recently. Yeah, I know he's been doing color stuff. Shane, the uh, this um, this uh, Eco Warrior Snake Eyes versus Brigade <laughs> Armor Tech Storm Shadow that you clearly yeah. need. Maybe Derek yeah. Donovan's the guy to draw that in color in a future sketchbook. Maybe he'll be like, "Those don't match. I'm not drawing that." <laughs> but he might be such a fan, he'd be like, "I will invent these costumes for you." We'll see. <laughs> well, I'll talk to him about it. We'll see. Okay, should we move on to the last one here? So this uh, one this is, is not, not a convention sketch. in the sketchbook. Yeah, this is this one I stray. This is um, a cover to a trade paperback, um, G.I. Joe Special Missions, Volume 2, um, by Robert Atkins. Um, I included this one because um, I have a lot of, there's a lot of great artists that I have, we couldn't share today. I couldn't get to them all. Um, Robert's one of them that um, I became friends with, and Robert's a friendly guy. I think a lot of Joe fans have become friends with him. But um, I wanted, I paid for a commission, and we were talking about what that commission would be. And through that conversation, he told me that he had a cover that he had drawn that he didn't know what it was going to be for. They just told him oh. to draw four or five Joe characters in their classic looks. And um, it was going to be one of four covers. 
and that for all of these covers, he could pick four or five Joe characters to put on there in a similar style. And I had been talking to him about doing Flint, which is why we got on the topic of the first cover. And he said, well, Shane, I did this, I did this cover and I, the original art hasn't been shown yet. So you could just buy this cover if you wanted. And he said, plus I get to draw three more covers. If you wanted, you could pick whatever characters you wanted for those covers and you could buy those. And I'm like, can I make payments? So we worked all that out. Um, but the, the whole thing was he didn't know what they were for. So we were picking <laughs> characters for the covers, not knowing who is going to appear in the actual publication. So I know when these first started coming out, fans were complaining, why did they put so-and-so on the cover? <laughs> they put right here. So these five characters I picked, I picked these five characters because we didn't know what it was for yet. By the time we got to volume three, he knew what it was for. And I told him what five characters I wanted. And I think one of the characters stayed, but somehow he incorporated other characters and he thought it was my five. I'm like, no, that's not the five I picked. Um, and then the fourth one, they ended up changing up on him and said they wanted Cobra. He's like, I know that's not what we agreed to, but I have all four covers. The first cover he had already drawn. This one, I picked the characters. And then um, the third one's like a combination. And then the fourth one, he went with um, basic Cobra characters. But yeah, so Tim and everyone else who is upset, <laughs> the characters on the covers, the volumes one and two don't necessarily make sense. It's because he didn't know what it was for. That is hilarious. Huh. <laughs> he just likes to share to poke the bear because he knows how jealous I am that he has all these. That's why oh, I, well. I get it. I get it. I'm glad I told Mark that. before before we went live. I told Mark out of my pretty decent sized art collection, I own six covers, and all six covers are GI Joe covers. I don't own covers to anything else. All my original art, my only covers I own are GI Joe. Four special missions reprints. What are the other two? Um, I have a Tom Feaster cover, from, and I from have front, a, from Frontline um, or from Origins. Um, from Origins, I have um, one of the Ripcord covers, the one where he's parachuting out of the Sky Striker. Cool. And I have um, another Robert Atkins. It is pencils to the cover to twenty one, which was shipwreck. Um, torpedo and wetsuit and cover girl like climbing into the sub. It featured two Navy SEALs, which I said I'm a fan of. It had Shipwreck, who gets paired up with them a lot, and then Cover Girl. The detail in that is ridiculous. It's got like pipes and vents and everything going down the ceiling while they're crawling in in their gear, dripping with water. And um, that's a great one. That's one that. Um, I think he posted it and I hit him up right away and he's like, yeah, it's available. And I mean, those days are over. And now I think when he does something, I think it's sold before he draws it. Um, Shane, just yeah. so you know, uh, when Shipwreck's second figure came out in 94 and he's in the gray wetsuit, his uh, file card changed and he was now also a Navy SEAL. Yes. Sorry, you know that, but just just for other people who are getting <laughs> sketches and artwork of all the Joe Navy Seals, Shipwreck 
need not be in his need not be in his blue and blue uh, sailor outfit. Um, even the um, what is it? The spy troops version with the sweater and the knit cap and the shoulder holster. Um, to me, that's a good representation of like you know, going behind enemy lines, running around a lot better than the um, the original costume. Or or what wetsuit wears in like Ninja Holiday in that episode where he's just in like regular clothes, just like yeah, a button up shirt and pants, kind of like. Kind of like shipwreck. Nope. Um, uh, that's that's quite a collection. Thanks for sharing, Shane, and lots of good stories. Well, I yeah. appreciate the opportunity. It's always fun to share the art and share the stories. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be on here right now, I'm sure, without uh, John recruiting me and um, suggesting me to you guys. Uh, I. <laughs> I enjoy mine and John's uh, relationship in the, the world of G.I. Joe and artwork. It's good to have a, a good close friend that we can reach out to and be like, hey, look what I got, or I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? And it's even better when we get to hang out, which has been way too long. Been too long. Been too long. I, I will always say, though, too, I've always enjoyed being at conventions with Shane because there is a bit of one-upsmanship. Who gets the better? <laughs> like, I can remember one in particular. We both got a piece from one artist, you know, the same artist, and I could see it on his face. Like, oh man, you win. <laughs> and I can say the same, you know, for him. But that—that's always been a lot of fun. That's what friends because are that, for. Well, and, and we are such a small community of collectors in the big picture. You know, he mentioned when I met Christopher Giles, it was great talking to him, and uh, we met Olivia Ten at Heroes, and Olivia. We should try to get Olivia here. She's got the greatest Scarlet Snake Eyes collection on the planet. Um, but, you know, just all these different people that you, because it is such a po small population in the big picture, it's been tremendous fun. Shane, do you have a first convention that you're planning to or hoping to go back to as we sort of open up in the States? Um, next month, there is a, um, there's a smaller show about three hours away here in Ohio, um, Gem City Con. Normally that's in the spring. It's usually um, our first con of the season and usually there's a good handful of us that go because a lot of my group lives down that way now. Um, this year, just because of everything, um, right now it's looking like just me and one other buddy might go and it's gonna be pretty low key, which I think is a good way to start back. Um, I, I figured big shows, it's gonna take them longer. It's gonna be, it's gonna be harder for them even if they can make things work and um, they're at the mercy of the convention centers or the, the venues, so they can't even make their own decisions um, on how things work. I know a lot of creators are not gonna be open to traveling. I know some are chomping at the bit. They wanna go out, they wanna see fans, they wanna do all of that, but I know some are still hesitant. I get that. I don't um, I don't think there's a right or wrong. I don't, um, I think everyone's got their own views on all this that we're dealing with and i don't i think everybody's right i don't know what what the right answer is i don't argue any of it but i last year i was supposed to see larry hama at three shows and i had probably lofty plans on how i wanted to utilize that and make that make that work and um that hurt <laughs> that there was no way that was going to happen um and I know Larry is very cautious about traveling, so I don't know when or if 
I will see Larry again at a show. Um, I'm grateful that I've gotten to, and there's few people I'd rather hear stories from, but you know, him being cautious is, he's not wrong. Um, me, I work, um, my line of work, I'm, I didn't get to work from home. I work out with the public. I'm out every day. I worked every day during the pandemic. I mean, you know, everybody took precautions. It's all different. Everyone has different experiences. Everyone has different backgrounds. Um, I'm excited to go back. We've been doing it so long. It's social. Um, John and I might have met online initially, but you know, we got to become friends. I think a lot more so from seeing each other at Heroes, and spending time together and sharing stories and showing off our art. It's Heroes Con is almost more family reunion. I think um, John will agree with that too. When we go down, there's people. I've been going to Heroes Con since 2000 or 2001. Um, there's people, you know, we only see there, or now we only see them there. They don't, you know, shows have changed or whatever's changed. So I'm looking forward to going back to shows. I think it's still going to be a minute till shows are what they used to be. Um, I just think it's a process, but I'm glad we're starting back. I'm, I'm glad to go back. I'm glad to have that. Being at home, unfortunately, did not stop me from acquiring new artwork. It almost was easier to just sit there and um, wage war from my computer. And con I did, um, this past year, I reached out to a lot of older school guys that I don't normally, I would not see at shows. Um, Al Milgram was one that I reached out to that I just... I took, I took the shot. I found an email address and I reached out to him and had a great email interaction with him. Love that I got to do that because I've never met him. I don't know if I ever will get to. Um, I mean, he he's one of those early guys. He inked two of the early Marvel covers, which is why I reached out to him. I had him do Zap for me. I'm trying to get guys who worked on early G.I. Joe stuff to do the original 13 Joes for me. So he was like, I didn't really do a lot of G.I. Joe. I'm like, I know that. But also, <laughs> a lot of the guys who did aren't around anymore. There's a lot. Um, Marie Severin, Frank Springer, um, Herb Trimpey. You know, we're, those people, they, um, they're they gone. We don't have them. Even guys, younger guys, Josh Metters, Jeremy Dale. Those guys are gone way too young. Um, I hate that. So I kind of re regret any missed opportunities that I had with legends I, I don't want to make that mistake again. So guys like um, Milgram or Bob Hall that did the two covers that Milgram inked, is he a huge part of the G.I. Joe mythos? No, but he did two of the early covers. He did two of the first couple of covers. All right, yeah, I got I got a deal with Bob Hall. I, um, you know, early on, like Maurice Severin. I didn't realize how instrumental Maurice Severin was in the world of G.I. Joe. Not just the comics, but a lot of the... Um, promotional artwork and production stuff and I wasn't even she just wasn't a name that clicked with me and realizing after I think because of her passing a couple years ago how what a force she was in the world of comics I wish I'd been more clued in on that I wish I'd been more aware of her work and known more about her when she was around so I just I don't know the maybe it's because I'm getting older <laughs> when I mean, we're all getting older I, I hate that we're, we're missing people. When I got, I mentioned earlier, Trimpy, when he signed one of my hardcovers, for $10, he'd do a little remark, and he did a Baroness for me. And my one buddy who was with me, 
he thought about doing that and he's like, oh, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to wait. And then the following year, I believe it was, Trimpey was going to be one of the headlining guests. And he's like, oh, this is great. Um, Eric's a big Iron Man fan, so he's going to get an Iron Man. He said, even if it's just one of those remarks, that'll be great to have that. And um, Trimpey had to cancel. And then shortly after that is when he passed and we lost him. So he he missed that opportunity and he beats himself up for that because um, he was right there. He was at the table with me when I got that little Baroness remark. And um, you can't go back. You can't, you can't change that. You can't undo that. So, yeah, being a fan of Joe, and when I started doing this, nobody else – other people, I'm sure, were doing that. I, I know I wasn't the first one. Other people had Joe artwork. Um, but when I made up my focus and I started a sketchbook, I wasn't like, now there's a ton of people who do that. And that is awesome. I love that. The more the merrier. Yeah, let's let's collect that. Um, but I didn't know the other people who were doing it. I wasn't like in a competition. I wasn't trying to, I don't know, compete with anyone. It's Now it's inspirational. Like I... I look at John's stuff and I'm like, that was a great idea. I don't know why John reached out to that guy, but I love that guy's stuff. And that's, that was a great piece and I should get something from that guy. Um, you know, I try to give credit. John's turned me on to a lot of great artists. I've, I've done the same for John. We talked about our friend, um, Christopher Giles that I know through heroes con he's turned me on to Pat Quinn. He's always pointing people out to me. He's really good at that. Um, I've gotten away from that. Like my roots in the comic book store, were good because I knew a lot of people who were active at the time who were, I saw their stuff coming out month to month. So I followed those names. Now I don't know who a lot of those names are. I don't know a lot of these guys that are working in books. I don't know who they are. Um, not just Joe, but overall it's nobody has runs like they used to. Nobody's on a book for a year, two years, three years. You know, we're lucky to get two or three issues out of someone. The industry works different. But back then, yeah, um, I want I want to get those guys. I want to I want to add them to my collection because they're they're a part of that. It's not just that I want twenty sketches of Flint and Lady J. I want cool people doing it. Not everyone I get is going to be a Joe artist. Not everyone I get. Some of them are just good artists, and I want to see their take on GI Joe. Um, some of them are good artists, and they like GI Joe. So yeah, absolutely. You want to draw Destro? Heck yeah, draw Destro. That's G.I. Joe. I'll get that. Um, so it's just a mix. I don't know. I rambled there. You asked me one question and I took it way farther. <laughs> yeah. I think I like we could uh, I think we could talk all, all day. We've been uh, we've been talking uh, almost two hours and ten minutes now. So uh, and and I know Tim has got things that he's got to get on and do. I've I've got with. a I've got a uh, Eco Warrior Snake Eyes uh, armor tech storm shadow you since while you were talking shane i posted it on facebook and 17 people are now paying me for 17 different sketches of these two guys i don't even know the color skins yet i can't wait to see them that's gonna be amazing so uh yeah if wrapping up uh shane uh, is there a place where people can go to find you if they want to find out more um, all of my art collection is on comic art fans under my name, Shane Simic. Um, I've got it broken down by GI Joe sketchbook, GI Joe original art. Um, my other art interests, Captain America, X-Men, Titans, team seven from image. Um, you know, there's just random stuff, Marvel and DC. Um, I'm not that guy that I'm like, Oh, Spider-Man, that's my guy. Everybody else is whatever. No, 
I um I like superheroes. I like military stuff. I like I like what I like. I don't know. I like it all. It's hard for me to pick. <laughs> okay. And this direction. Uh, John, where can people go if they want to find you? JohnThurman.com for all things John Thurman. You can find my HR show there. And if you're into these kind of things, StarJoes.com for StarJoes podcast. And we've also got your episode that, that's up uh, on the, nice. the YouTubes. Uh, so, uh, yeah, go and actually... I think it's still private uh, at the moment, but it will be going live soon uh, to the general public. Uh, so uh, that is uh, going to be there shortly. Uh, and then which direction do I point? This way, I think. Yep. Up to Tim. Tim, where can people find you? I've got a banner. Instagram, a real American book. Facebook, a real American book. And a real American book. Dot com. This week, I'm writing about David Anthony Kraft. Indeed. Uh, and yeah, thanks for joining us on Talking Joe. If you want to find out more about us, the place to go to is talkingjoe.co.uk, which has all of the links. Uh, and big thank you as well to all of the Patreon people. Thanks for, for contributing to that. You know who you are. And so I think that just leaves me to say, and please feel free to join in. When all's said and done, you can catch us down the road. Because we've been talking Joe. We're all out of Joes. Laters. <laughs>